Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Captain of the Keeper old-time vintage hockey radio program podcast, the show where we discuss all things hockey with a palpable bias towards old-time stick and puck. I'm your host, the Captain, and with me, as always, is the Keeper. So it's July 26th, and we're sitting right here on the cusp of some meaningful playoff hockey, which starts this week with some exhibition games. So our show today, it'll be chock full with some talk about the playoff slash play-in round of the Stanley Cup playoffs for 2020. Uh, We'll be talking a little bit about the rink setup and what that's going to look like, uh, touching upon briefly about the bubble life, what players might expect to see as they enter into this new phase of uh, playoff hockey. And we'll be talking about uh, the 32nd franchise of the National Hockey League, the Seattle Kraken, releasing their name, their uniforms, logo, the whole shebang on this massive episode tonight. Well, I guess it's time to get cracking then. Let's get right to it. So as you just alluded to, uh, the Seattle Kraken are entering the National Hockey League uh, for the 2021 season. Uh, so far we've got a uniform release. We've got some logos, pretty exciting stuff for hockey fans. Uh, personally, I'm a fan of the new design. I like the, uh, the classic NHL look, but some new colors here. We got some, some new colors on this uniform, not just a cookie cutter, not a rehash of what anybody else has got. I I think it's pretty cool. What do you think about the Jersey? I agree. I think the, the the team did a really nice job picking colors that were not associated with, uh, you know, like a green or a, a blue or a white from that region. I know their Vancouver Canucks might be a, definitely will be a rival. So I'm glad they went with a different color pattern. I think stylistically, the logo, the S was a good touch, a good uh, tribute to the Seattle Metropolitans over there from the 19, early 1900s. We're actually a Stanley Cup champion. So it was cool. They brought back an S for their jersey. Um, I like how you see the Kraken tentacle inside the logo. That's kind of a cool touch. Nice. Uh, the shoulder patch design is really cool, too. I don't know if you caught that. It's the uh, the, the anchor with uh, the Seattle Space Needle as the, the top portion of the anchor. So I think they chose a really good look that's, I guess, you know, going to be a, a timeless. That's what franchises are going to want to have, a look that they're not going to have to change in five years. Yeah. So I think they did a really nice job. I think so. It's a new look, but it's also got that classic hockey feel. And I think a lot of the fans and people out there feel the same way. I read a report uh, courtesy of ESPN saying that Seattle Kraken merchandise is currently the hottest in sports. Uh, That's all of sports. That's not just the National Hockey League. That includes all the big sports. You're talking compared to everybody else. This is the number one selling piece of merchandise right now. So I would go ahead and say that a lot of the fans are uh, filling this new design. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how this team does. Ron Francis, obviously going to be at the helm of this new franchise. Uh, Do you think we'll see a repeat of Vegas? Do you think this will be a Cinderella team or you think these guys, you think the other GMs have maybe learned their lesson and you think these guys will have more of the traditional franchise expansion type situation that we saw with the last go around several years ago? Oh, it's hard to say if they'll be a Vegas or if they'll be a traditional expansion franchise. I mean, the players are that are in the NHL that are going to be available are going to be really good players. So I think they're going to have their pick of some quality players starting from the net out. So there, I, I think the expectation is uh, for them to do something similar to what Vegas did. I'm not saying they're going to go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals with a chance to win it or go undefeated for however long Vegas did. But they're definitely they should have a really good shot at a competitive team 
uh, even though they're going to be in a, a, a tough division and they, they might have an upward battle, but I'm, I'm rooting for them to have some success. Uh, I mean, we grew up in an era of expansion where teams were just brutal when they first started, right? Terrible. I mean, the 91-92 San Jose Sharks, the, the season after, 92-93 Tampa and Ottawa were, were just, uh, it was a guaranteed victory to play against. Them. to say more than that Ottawa team. I mean, that was a doormat of a franchise for the early days. But yeah, these new teams a little bit different. You know, like we, I guess the, for kids who are watching hockey now in 2017, 2018, 19, 20, when they see an expansion team, they don't have, it doesn't, I don't think it has the same stigma for them. Like they come out with cool designs, cool uniforms, and they're competitive. You know, like as, as the, you know, 20 years ago when Minnesota and Columbus came into the league, they weren't terrible. I mean, Minnesota was pretty good early on. They had a defensive system in place where they were competitive and they were a playoff team within a couple of years. So, I think the sky's the limit for the Kraken. And one other quick note, uh, what I always loved looking at with the uniforms is what goalies would look like and what their equipment would look like, what masks would look like. And so far on uh, the Instagrams, there's been no shortage of mock-ups for pads uh, and even helmet designs, which are already coming out for the Kraken that utilize both the shoulder patch and the uh, their, sh- their uh, main crest, which it just looks awesome. And it'll be cool to see them on the ice against some of the classic franchises. I would imagine the design guys are having a field day with the new color scheme. I mean, it's it's something new in the National Hockey League. You're playing with some different colors that they haven't had that palette for. Uh, so pretty impressive stuff. Uh, I think that uh, Ron Francis and the you know the team over there have got their work cut out for them. I, I think Vegas set the bar extremely high. I think the math would show that statistically it's very, even though the rules have changed a little bit over the years regarding expansion, I think that uh, it's certainly a tall order to try to uh, recap what Vegas did. But the thing that I really enjoyed about Vegas's run was the whole idea of those guys all being sort of these misfits with chips on. I mean, these guys are some of them phenomenal hockey players in their own right. Uh, multiple uh, Stanley Cup champion like Marc-Andre Fleury, you end up with some guys on a team that were incredibly good hockey players, but they all played with that chip on their shoulder, feeling like they were the one that was discarded. And that gave them sort of an identity that I think Seattle will probably have that same thing going on. I don't see any way they could possibly avoid it. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that chip on their shoulder was something that – I noticed I saw that documentary Valiant, the Vegas Golden Knights for the first for their documentary, their first uh, season. And the players definitely felt like, hey, we're the outcasts and we're going to go out and prove everybody wrong. I mean, they also had an event that happened in Vegas early on in their first year that really galvanized the whole city uh, in early October, which which definitely gave them a a bit of, you know, like a a feel good story that they were going to take off and make make Vegas proud. And uh, that definitely was a and that was definitely a, a different, you know, feel to a start of a season. Yeah, I agree. So let's move on here. We're going to talk a little bit about our playoff preview coming up, but it's going to be a little bit of a twist here. We're not going to be talking about the playoffs necessarily yet. We're talking about the play in for the first time in the National Hockey League that I'm aware of. Uh, so the 24 team play in. Well, 2014 playoff of sorts with a play in involving some of these teams is going to be going on. Uh, first off the bat, before we get into some of the matchups, um, one of the things I find really interesting about this is the way the NHL's draft lottery panned out this season. So you have a current situation where the number one overall pick in the draft, who is expected to be a generational talent, is available in the draft. 
And you've got a situation where one of the teams that loses in this play in round is going to win the number all dra- uh, number one overall draft pick. Uh, that's got to be an exciting consolation prize for one of these teams. I think that's incredibly awesome. I know everyone was poo-pooing the the NHL for this, that you know this is how the the balls bounced in the lottery, but I think this is great. I mean, it just gives more it it gives more it magnifies the attention on the play-ins, right? Sure, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> this is something you've never seen. And so the number I mean, one, gonna... so and the number one pick is going to go to a team that's relatively competitive, right? Yeah, I mean, you got a team who's in sort of the playoffs that's going to get the number one pick. I think that's pretty cool. So uh, that could take a team, you know, that might be kind of a bubble this year, and it may end up putting them over the hump going forward. Giving them a player of that caliber can really make a difference for a franchise. Uh, as we've seen in the past with several others. So now we're going to take a quick look. Uh, we're going to do some predictions because there's no way with the NHL coming back for the first round of any kind of playoffs that we could possibly resist doing that. So we're going to obviously take some <laughs> predictions as any upstanding hockey fan or uh, fan of the sport would do. So we're going to take this uh, real quick. We're going to take a quick look at uh, some of the matchups that we have. We're not going to discuss the round robin uh, games between the teams that are already moving on because they're already moving on. We'll get to them when we get to the official first round. But as far as the play-in, we'll talk first. We're going to start out in the Eastern Conference. Pittsburgh Penguins take on the Montreal Canadiens. Your take on that series. Take it away. Uh, that would be pretty interesting. I know everyone's talking about how Montreal really shouldn't have been a playoff team to begin with, but hey, they just snuck in for this for this play-in matchup, which is unprecedented. And hey, maybe Carey Price can really uh, catch fire. I mean, they all they need three wins, right? So could they could they pull off an upset in Pittsburgh? I I know I hear Max Domi is back and playing. I think he is going to be a, he was a, a pretty a solid contributor for Montreal. So with that said, I still going to go. I'm still going to go with Pittsburgh for this one. I think the Penguins might edge them out. Um, I don't I don't know how many games like I, in five, maybe the full five, but I think it'll be an interesting series to see how they how these two teams fare. But I, I think I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. What about you, Cap? Well, I've got to go against you on this one. I think you already touched on the reason. I think with a guy like Carey Price at this point in his career, he's got he's coming down to the twilight of his career. A guy like him, I think an opportunity to turn back the clocks in a situation like this, I could see him stealing this series for the Montreal Canadiens. They the Pe- Pittsburgh Penguins will not have a lot of opportunity to gel and to play uh, the type of offensive game that some of their stars are capable of playing. I think the situation is ripe for a guy like Price uh, to steal that series and give Montreal a chance. Again, like you said, they don't have to win that full series. They've only got to take three. I think it can certainly be done. I'm going with Montreal. So I'm putting you down for Pittsburgh, and I'm putting myself down for the correct answer in Montreal. And your correct answer gives uh, Pittsburgh a chance to get the first overall pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about all that. Uh, let's not get carried away. But so moving on, we're going to look out west. Okay, so we've got Edmonton and Chicago out west. Break it down for us. Take it away. Edmonton, Chicago. I like Edmonton in this series. Uh, I can't, it's hard to go against dry side Olympic David. Again, the Blackhawks uh, just kind of eke their way into this situation to get into the play-in. But I don't. It's hard to discount the Stanley Cup pedigree that the Blackhawks come in with uh, the closest thing to a dynasty in the last uh, decade. But I still think Edmonton might come out on top if Mike Smith can stay solid for the Oilers and McDavid uh, can you know produce. I, I think Edmonton should take the series. However, I don't know how much of a home ice advantage they're going to have with the way the arena will be situated. 
But that could be something that sways in their favor a little bit. I don't know. But I'm still going to go with Edmonton. How about you? All right. So you're going with Edmonton. Uh, you're probably going to detect a team theme here for me. I'm going with the <laughs> underdog. I'm going with the Chicago Blackhawks on this one. Like you said, you touched on the championship pedigree with these guys. Uh, it's a short series. The uh, Some of their older players, some of their veteran core that was part of the Stanley Cup championship teams, uh, those guys may tire out late due to age. They may tire out later on in the playoffs. But this is, uh, this is a three-game series right out of the gate. Uh, there's no nothing you can say to discount uh, Drysaddle and uh, Connor McDavid. Obviously, phenomenal hockey players. But I guess the question really is: at some point, Edmonton's going to be good. Is that right now? Is this the time? Uh, I don't think so. I'm going Chicago. I think they get that one last hurrah in. I don't know that they go much further, but I think that their veteran core rallies, and uh, I'm going with Chicago. Unbelievable. You know um, what? The worst part is you're probably going to be right about these. Well, you know, it's I so appreciate hard. that. It's so hard to predict with the five-game series. I mean, I, I do want to see Chicago win, but I also, I mean, Edmonton, I, I kind of like to think that they would be cool if they can actually advance in their home city, which the finals and conference finals will be in Edmonton. Yeah, it would be, but we're not here to decide on what would be cool. We're here predicting, and that's exactly what I've done. I've predicted the winning team, and I think <laughs> time will prove me right on this one. And if not, obviously, we will burn the tapes and all recordings. <laughs> so I'm not really concerned about that. We will so play this we'll- back. We'll play the, We'll play this <laughs> back on not. August uh, 10th when the when uh, the when the first round play-ins are over. Unfortunately, I think our sound guy lost the uh, the video feed and all the podcast streams, so I, I don't think that's going to be an option. But anyway, let's get back. Uh, we'll stay in the Western Conference here real quick. Uh, let's take a look at uh, a series you never thought a few years ago that you'd be hearing. Uh, Nashville taking on Arizona out West. I'm going to have to go with the I just want to see Arizona win. I think they're going to win, so I'm picking the Coyotes. I'm picking them for one reason. They're wearing their retro uniforms. Oh, the Kachinka. nothing, oh, yeah. nothing with stats, nothing with who's who or what play. I think <laughs> their uniforms are going to win the day. And I think Nashville was reeling after the Winter Classic. I know they fired Peter Laviolette. I, I don't know. I'm going with Arizona. All right. Well, you picked a team that does not have a general manager, so <laughs> I would have to say In that. Logic, uh, I, I nothing against Steve Sullivan coming in trying to take that team over, but I mean, their GM just quit. You picked a team <laughs> whose general manager quit. Uh, was it today or yesterday? I mean, the guy just quit. Well, so, they don't play the game. <laughs> well, they don't, but it's not hard to imagine the players quitting on a, a, an organization that has seen their GM up and quit. To my knowledge, I can't think of another time where that has happened in the past. But, hey, good pick for you. Uh, that's, that's real solid right there. Uh, let's talk. Let's go back into the East, into uh, the 6 versus 11 spot in the East. I know I've got my eye on this one. Uh, how could you not? The Carolina Hurricanes, one of the two teams that refused the uh, 24. They voted against the 24-team play-in. Uh, a lot of people believe because they matched up poorly against their opponent, the New York Rangers. Uh, it's an interesting – this is – the Rangers, for a lot of people, are a dark horse pick this season, uh, given the way things they were on a, a huge hot streak towards the end. Keeper, why don't you try and tackle this one? And uh, both of these teams have a GM, so you should be fine here. Go ahead. Well, I doubt I'll be fine after I say what I'm going to say, but uh, <laughs> I know who I want to win the series, 
but I feel like this is all set up for a massive backfire on the Rangers. You think so? I think I think the Hurricanes are going to pull it out. I don't know. I feel like it's in a short series. They they after what they did last year, and it seems like they have that really they're really a tight group, and they really rallied together together pretty well. Uh, I just see them maybe saying, "Hey, we're not going to embarrass ourselves after voting no. We're going to really we're going to give the Rangers all they can handle." So I my heart says one thing, but my gut is telling me the Hurricanes. Well, my gut is considerably bigger than yours, so I think it's going to take some precedent here. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to agree with you on this one. Uh, My prediction for this series is that the Carolina Hurricanes pull it out. Uh, The New York Rangers lose, but I'm going to go ahead and say that the New York Rangers not only lose, but they then win the number one first overall draft pick. And look back at this (laughs) as the series that catapulted them into the next NHL dynasty because they've got all the pieces that they need there for the future. But much like Edmonton, in my mind, maybe just not quite yet. So I am going to join you in this one and I'm going with the Carolina Hurricanes. Although if they would wear those Hartford Whalers jerseys, um, it wouldn't change my pick, but I would have to vote for them for a sweep. Uh, You can't possibly play against the Hartford Whalers and the Brass Bonanza. Uh, But fortunately, the Rangers will just be playing the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, but I still think they're going to lose. Uh, wow, we agree on something. That's pretty impressive. Well, this one, uh, you know, I, I think that Carolina knows going into it. I think they've been manhandled by the Rangers over the past couple seasons. I also think that the Rangers will start uh, Igor Shesterkin versus Henrik Lundqvist. And for just this one moment in time, I'm going to go ahead and say that that is a mistake. So you think uh, the Rangers should go with Lundqvist for game one? I don't see that the Rangers have anything to lose by That's not true. going with Lundqvist. He's got the pedigree. If if you had told me, if you showed me a situation where Lundqvist had not had success recently against this team, I would have agreed. Okay, we all know Shostakin is their next goaltender of the future. Uh, however, you got to look at the situation. Lundqvist has owned this franchise. These guys voted against playing the 2014 play-in because they were afraid of him personally. This is a situation where if you've got him, you put him in for game one, you have nothing to lose. If you lose the game and it goes poorly, you put your in for the rest of the series. And if you lose, you still have a shot at the number one draft pick. Uh, this is a season. The Rangers statistically were not in the playoffs. They're a play in team. They were playing well down the stretch, but I would have to go ahead and say that uh, you've got nothing to lose. You give, why would you not give one of the greats in the sport his one last chance at showing what he's got. I I don't see it. But you're the goaltending expert, so you tell me. Well, I don't know how he's done so far in you know, um, this new 2.0 training camp or scrimmages, but maybe Coach Quinn will do, you know, like you said, maybe he'll go with Lundqvist based on the statistics against the Hurricanes, and maybe he's got his last shot, you know, like you said, for Carey Price. And maybe I think Lundqvist and Price are in a similar boat here where this could be one of the last few shots for them. Last hurrah. You touched on an interesting point there, too. For a goaltender, uh, you talked about, you know, the training camp, the practice, the scrimmages. Uh, I know as a player, I always felt like the practices and the scrimmages were one thing and the games were something else entirely. Some of the guys who were lights out in practice couldn't carry over. Uh, Do you feel that way as a goalie, too? Or do you think at the NHL level, one guy playing really having the hot hand in, in practice in training camp, does it really matter? At the NHL level. I don't think it matters. 
I mean, as long as they're in the right mindset where they're healthy and they're they're feeling a few pucks in the in the the, the exhibition or at least in the scrimmages that they're having in training camp, I think that can carry over to you know having a really good. I mean, in this case, they have to find their game really fast because they don't have five or six regular season games to you know work out the kinks. They have to yeah. shake off some rust from a few months. Uh, if they're feeling good, I, it's hard to say. I mean, I. It all depends on how the first shot goes. That's how I always uh, used to think. <laughs> One exhibition game, you see how that first shot goes, and you make the decision from there. That's fair. I, I can't the argue. First with that. save. So let's stay in New York now. Uh, we're going to go out to Long Island, and we're going to see the New York Islanders take on the Florida Panthers. Uh, this is an interesting matchup. You know, you got the seven versus ten seed. These guys aren't too far apart. Um, obviously the Islanders and Panthers met not too long ago in, uh, in the postseason. John Tavares scoring that memorable, uh, overtime winner. Do you, what do you see? Those are two franchises who have changed a lot, changed a lot since then. Obviously John Tavares is no longer there. He's actually not too popular there. I'm not sure if you know that. Not a really? popular is guy. Oh, well, I had no idea. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they trespassed him from the entire Island. Uh, I don't think he's allowed to come back. Uh, they will throw rats and snakes at him if he does come back. Uh, but so these guys, they, they've changed. Obviously, the Islanders are a much more structured team now. New coaching staff uh, taking on a Florida team with a lot of talent. Florida's a team that's got a lot of offensive talent that not a lot of people really know too much. They don't have a huge fan base, so they, they really don't get a lot of play in the media. So how do you see that series going down? This is one I can kind of go back and forth on. Uh, part of me thinks that the Islanders could pull it out defensively. They're they're pretty solid. Uh, I know they 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 had a was it Adam Pellick or Ryan Pulak who was injured and is now back. I think it was Pulak. Well, ever since they fired our stats crew, I no longer have that information to- in front of me. So we'll just have either, to figure that out. Later. Either way, they have. A solid defense, but I think if Bobrovsky can get hot for Florida, I think Florida takes that series. So you say if he can get hot, um, that would be quite the bit of doing considering where he finished out in the season. I mean, that was a an all-time stinker of a first season, but uh, he's a good player. Uh, so your final word, you're going with Florida Panthers. I'm going with Panthers. And I know, and Bobrovsky played, listen, Columbus t- took out Toronto, uh, Tampa Bay last year in round one. Bobrovsky was the goalie for the Blue Jackets. So he can have postseason success. I'm going Bobrovsky and the Panthers. This is a tough call for me. I think that the Islanders match up well against Florida. I think Florida's got a lot of offensive talent on their, uh, their top end, but the Islanders play a structured, solid defensive game. Uh, Barry Trotz has had a, a huge influence in changing that team. I think that their defensive style will hold out against Florida's offensive players, especially given the stoppage in play where these guys aren't going to have the same rhythm they may have had a couple months ago. I think for me, at least as a player, you know, I think as a, as a forward, when you're trying to generate offense, you've got your work cut out for you as it is. I think when you factor all these things in, them having to capture the magic run a power play that's going to be effective. Their timing's going to be off. I think that's enough for me to throw it maybe 51-49, but I'm going to give it to the New York Islanders oh. uh, over the Florida Panthers in that series. And uh, I'm sorry that you turned out to be wrong, but uh, you know we'll find oh. out next time. Uh, or, you know, again, the tapes will find their way to be deleted. So let's take it out to the Western Conference, Vancouver Canucks, Minnesota Wild. Uh, interesting series. 
couple different uh, aspects there. Are you uh, you feeling Vancouver or you? Well, before Minnesota? I get into before I get into Vancouver, Minnesota, I want to just um, uh, fact check myself. That was Adam Pellick of the Islanders who was lost to an Achilles injury at the start of January. He was lost for the whole year, but now he's back. So just wanted to make sure I said that. Whole year uh, thank with you, Stack Crew. A big one uh, for Vancouver, Minnesota. Um, I kind of like. Uh, Minnesota in this series, uh, they fire I, they fire Bruce Boudreaux not too long before the season the season the season was suspended. They 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 rally together. They eke into this now play in. Uh, I know Vancouver was definitely a little bit uh, had had more points than they did during the regular season, but I I think Minnesota will be riding a little bit of a. Their guys are going to have a last hurrah. Also, they have some older they have some older players like Zach Parise and Suter on defense. I, I kind of see Minnesota maybe taking advantage of this run and and getting hot. Now they don't have Bruce Boudreaux, and I know that in the past their playoff runs with Bruce Boudreaux have been short. Maybe this time it's different now. So I'm maybe. going Minnesota. And I'm going to agree with you on this one. I think you touched on it for me. It's the same logic as Chicago versus Edmonton. Uh, those guys being down the end of the line. I don't know that it's enough to get them through the whole tournament. But I think these veteran guys with absolutely nothing to lose coming in fresh, well-rested, you put those guys into a situation like this, I would have to say Minnesota's, uh, they've got a, they got a lot of talented players on there. They also have some guys that were underachieving during the season, a guy like Matt Zuccarello with the opportunity. He's been a big-time playoff performer in the past. Uh, you get an opportunity to get him going on a clean slate. I think that uh, it could be enough to put Minnesota over Vancouver, despite the tremendous amount of talent that Vancouver has. Uh, short series, I'm going with Minnesota as well. So let's finish out the Western Conference. Calgary and Winnipeg, a Canadian matchup here. Uh, two different clubs, some different different styles, different uh, different talent on display for those two teams. What's your gut telling you, Calgary versus Winnipeg? Well, I, my my heart tells me that I want to see Calgary advance because I want them to ultimately play against Edmonton in a battle of Alberta, which had really heated up this year uh, before the suspension of play. So that would be great. But I think Winnipeg is going to take this series. I think Connor Hellebuck, Vezina Trophy nominee for this year. I think he'll uh, he'll be able to pull Winnipeg over the hump here. I think the Jets are going to pull out the series against Calgary. Uh, as much as I think Calgary at Edmonton would be a great series down the road, Edmonton for the victory. Uh, sorry, right. Winnipeg uh, for the victory. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Edmonton wasn't one of the choices, but uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a pretty good pick. Uh, I would love to see. I, don't get me wrong. I would love to see a Battle of Alberta. However, with there being no fans in the stands, uh, I I don't know if this is the right time for it. I'm sure they'd still find a way to fight it out <laughs> over the internet or something, but it's not quite the same. Uh, but that being said, because you picked Winnipeg and I know that you're almost always wrong, I'm going to have to go with Calgary uh, and I'm going with them in the hopes that they wear their vintage late 80s uh, jerseys in the playoffs. I think if they do, that gives them enough of an advantage. Obviously, Winnipeg won't have the benefit of a whiteout type of performance oh, with yes. no fans in the stands at all. So uh, I'm going to go with Calgary on this one. Uh, I'm thinking... Calgary's got enough pieces in there to uh, pull this one out on Winnipeg, although this one's tough. This is an eight and a ninth seed. These guys are pretty closely matched in the standings. Uh, this could be anybody's game. And speaking of eight and ninth, we take it back to the Eastern Conference. Toronto Maple Leafs taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. 
Uh, I'll be the first one to ask, and maybe you have the answer. How is Columbus even here at this point? Go ahead. Uh, Elvis. I mean, in early, Jan- <laughs> in early January, they had Elvis dominate and right. running off a streak of some shutouts and victories as a rookie. I have Columbus taking this series. I'm going I against the great. I'm going against Toronto. Listen, it's hard to pick Toronto. I know they're in their hub city. They're in their home city. Uh, they may not even get to use their own locker room. So I don't, I'm going to go against the, 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 the Maple Leafs, even though that might not be the smartest move and go for the underdogs here. The Blue Jackets were the underdogs last year. They, they beat Tampa in a, a sweep. Tampa had one of the best seasons ever. Uh, and, and Columbus still has that same attitude. They still have John Tortorella. They still have uh, a goalie who's pretty hot. Either it's, you know, Merzlikens in goal or Corpusala. One of the two can pull it off. Um, they have a solid defense, and I think if they can muster enough offense together, they should be able to shut down the the guns of Toronto. I don't know if Toronto's got enough on the back end and in goal to compare to Columbus. Well, let me go ahead and stop you right there because you have never been more wrong. Uh, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Columbus, what they did last year was impressive. But at this point, uh, I'm going to have to start subjecting you to a breathalyzer before we (laughs) record the program. Uh, You just said that Columbus was going to be Toronto in the first round. And unfortunately, that's just not going to happen here. I mean, that's I mean, it's that's cute. It's not going to happen. Toronto has too much talent. Columbus, uh, fantastic job last year. But this year, Columbus is surprising no one. There is no way that the players on the Toronto Maple Leafs with the talent that they have, are going to allow themselves to fall victim to a Columbus Blue Jackets team, who I also might add is not exactly the same team. They're missing one Hart Trophy nominee in Artemi Panarin. They don't have that guy. I don't know. Maybe you didn't catch that. He's not on the team anymore. Without him, they don't have a prayer. They don't have a chance. If this ends up in anything less than a sweep, I will uh, I will be surprised. So... Um, Obviously, so far, we've got a chance to hear the keeper be wrong a lot. So what we're going to do is step back and give him a chance to be right. So it's time for a hug in the post with the keeper. Keeper, take it away. Okay, so uh, last time on Hug in the Post, thanks for that segue. Um, we spoke about some vintage techniques, how to play goal. You know, we spoke of the two-pad stack, the poke check, you name it. Classic. This week is more of a, um, a rant on something that forwards and defensemen do to goaltenders. So any goaltender out there who's listening can relate to this, I'm sure. Uh, you know, from a midnight league goalie uh, to uh, your uh, recreation league to maybe even a professional. Uh, talk about warm-ups. And one of the worst parts of being a goaltender in warm-ups is, you know, you just want to feel the puck a little bit, right? You just want to get your gloves moving. You want to get a few touches. You want to stick a puck away. Get let it let it hit your pad. Let it you know let, let get the feel. But when guys shoot the puck at your head or in that general vicinity, to the point where you have to either duck out of the way, get a glove up, uh, it does nothing to help a goaltender. So in this hug the post segment, I just want to remind forwards and defensemen that you're there to warm up the goaltender. By just you know putting it in a place where you could feel it, not kill him, not destroy him. He's on your team. Uh, you want him to win the game for you, to make a couple of saves for you. Uh, I I was no stranger to firing pugs back at forwards who did that to me or defensemen in warmups could be either one. 
And it's not even just the shots at the head. It could it could it could be just guys trying to shoot with every ounce of energy they possibly have and miss a net. Well, and look, I know I'm I know I'm talking about amateurs. We're all amateurs playing a game, having fun. Well, but speak for yourself. Uh, I think you touched on a few points there, but I got to go ahead and stop you as a as a forward playing, especially in a beer league. Uh, what other opportunity do I have to be scouted? If there are scouts in the stands, they're going to watch me fire some clap bombs on net. <laughs> I'm trying to go bar down. Okay. I didn't come here to mess around. Your head happens to be in the way of a little thing I like to call the crossbar. And if I'm going to attract any scouts, I got to ring this thing off the crossbar and in. I think we can all agree that goalies are wearing plenty of padding. What, what do you say to that? The only scouts that are watching you in a men's league warmup are parents of fellow teammates or girlfriends or wives of some kind or some other significant other. And nobody is watching the warmups. You could do your, your, your bar down clappers in a game where people are looking at you. Um, it's but a lot harder you're to do it. I don't get that much opportunity anymore in a game. I, I really think that I'm at my best during the warmup period there. And I, I think you're taking away some valuable time from the shooters out here amongst us and where that's our time to shine. That might be the last time I see the puck is in the warmup. So you run the risk of missing the net completely, which does you no good and does the goaltender no good either. That's the other thing about the warmup is that guys are firing pucks. They're missing the net and they have their head down. They have no idea what they're doing. Listen, I, listen, us goaltenders, especially as you know, you'll scoff at the amateur comment. Uh, we're prone to soft goals. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> I am, you know, I may be one or two a season for me at this okay. point. <laughs> okay. Per period, per game. But I'm not missing the net as much as some forwards are. Well, that might be the case, but forwards, we've got a much harder job. We've got people trying to kill us. We're skating around. You know, you're kind of down there leaning on the post. I've seen you resting on that goal post, putting your glove out there, just kind of sitting there while I'm skating around. You get the point. It's it's a lot harder out there on us forwards. You guys need to take it easy. If I need to fire a few at your head to get off some steam, you got to let me do it. I mean, I, I don't I don't see a reason why not to here. But – so. Uh, Speaking of which, tell, tell me what just happened in the NHL uh, regarding some bucks at the head. Well, this topic is taking on some new steam. I, I, I know that Shea Weber has a really hard slap shot. Um, and I noticed that the other day, uh, a couple of days ago, he fired one in practice at the what, Montreal's fourth goaltender, Michael McNiven, who probably yeah, won't see any ice time. You know, he's there for practice now. He's. He's moved down the depth chart after this. And, you know, if you watch the clip, you know, Weber grabs, you know, gets, he's at the point. He, um, you know, gets a, a pass from one of the coaches and he, he steps into one from just above the top of the circles. I don't think he got all of that shot, but still it went uh, pretty high and it got McNiven right in the cage. I think it went through the cage of the mask. I don't think the cage was actually dented. Uh, and he cut him up for some stitches under his left cheek. I mean, that must have been pretty scary to watch coming in at you. But maybe that's not the best example because it's not in warm-up situation, but it is in practice. And I know that guys are trying to win a Stanley Cup here. But you don't want to kill your goalie. I mean, well, 
You say that, but at the same time, um, Shea Weber's got a, a phenomenal slap shot. He needs a chance to practice this slap shot. And if a professional goaltender can't stand in the way of a slap shot, here's you want to have a little public service announcement time to the general audience. Let me give you a little public service announcement. You goaltenders <sighs> decided at some point that you need to drop down into this butterfly on every single shot that comes in. Okay. Uh, well, guess what? If you were standing up, that wouldn't hit him in the face. How about that? You want to drop down and go around there and squirm around on your knees and make all these saves. That's great. But don't complain when you catch one off the dome. Am I right? I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm right. So you said your Stanley Cup picks were right, but you were way wrong on this. If you are a player of Shea Weber's caliber, you can pick a corner. You can keep it along the ice. I have nothing wrong with during a game. If a player wants to wind up and you take one off the grill, that's something different altogether. That happens. But you don't have to do it in practice to a teammate. That's just my two cents in the crease. Uh, I'm going to take your two cents for what they're worth, which is just about nothing inflation adjusted because how is he going to practice the shot if he doesn't use it in practice? And you even said he didn't shoot it as hard as he could. So, uh, all right, well, we'll agree to disagree, but, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, on behalf of our illustrious team, which has now been cut down to just the two of us on behalf of the captain, the keeper, this is the captain saying, keep your head up and keep your stick on the ice. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.